From sprains to fractures, get expert care quickly at the University of Kansas Health System. Walk-in orthopedic care is open weekdays, 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Saturdays, 8 to 2 at I-435 and Null. Learn more at kansashealthsystem.com slash orthopedics. All state and be better protected from mayhem, like me. Based on coverage and limits selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM is broadcasting live from Super Bowl Radio Row in Las Vegas. We'll be interviewing the biggest names in sports and entertainment, plus interviews with your favorite Kansas City Chiefs players and coaches. Super Bowl Radio Row coverage on ESPN Wichita is brought to you by Davis Liquor Outlet, neighborhood locations with superstore prices, and by Pinnacle Homes, building your trust. Visit them at RemodelersWichita.com. It's the Pulse on ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM, broadcasting from Las Vegas, home to Super Bowl 58. It's the Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. We are excited to be bringing you all the great coverage out this way. But we do have our normal segments that we have to take care of. And this guy didn't make the trick with me, but I'm sure he's going to be paying attention to this weekend. It is Pete Anderson, who joins us now for our Rising and Falling segment, brought to you by Vantage Point Financial Group, putting together your financial goals and plans on your own. It can often become overwhelming. Let Pete Anderson help you with that. Working with Pete can help put the pieces in place so you can meet your goals and plans for the future. Find him online at vpfgroup.com. Or you can visit him in person at 12219 East Central Avenue, Suite 201 in Wichita. Well, Pete, I, I imagine you're not coming out this way unless you decide to shell out $8,000 for a ticket. Did you do that this week or no? I did not. I did not. No. Uh, wish I was there, though. <laughs> well, with you, with you being Mister Financial Guy, something tells me a grand <laughs> that might be that might not be the best of investments. Uh, that would be my assumption. But hey, to each their own. Well, we're excited, and uh, you know we've been having a blast out this way. So we appreciate you being able to join us here today. Let's dive right in. We're going to kind of shorten this segment here today, and that's because of everything going on here with Super Bowl. Radio Row. So we look at the Sunflower State first. We look at who's rising. So Wichita State, KUK State, Pete Anderson, I'll let you kick it off. Yeah, I'm going to go with Cam Carter of Kansas State. I I think most people think Tyler Perry would be the easy pick, uh, but I felt that Cam Carter was really the difference in the game versus KU. He had 19 points, 11 rebounds, and he grabbed a ton of weak side rebounds and played a huge role in locking down Kevin McCuller 
uh, and holding McCuller to 6 of 18 from the field. Jack Johnson? I, I am going to go with Tyler Perry for my riser of the week. I mean, uh, 26 points in that game against Kansas. Uh, we've had our criticism before of Tyler Perry, of his shot selection, but he was big when K-State needed him most. I mean, that was a must-win game for them. Now you absolutely put them back on the NCAA bubble, and I'm not sure K-State's there if it wasn't for the big-time performance from Tyler Perry. I would agree with both you guys. So with me trying to avoid being repetitive, we'll just ride over Tang a little bit more. How is Jerome Tang 11-0 in overtime? <laughs> like, when that game went the OT, or we're watching it out this way, first thing I said to everyone at the table, they're going to get this win. And it's because it's Jerome Tang and what he does in overtime. I don't know what it is. They just find ways to do it. Overtang now 11-0 in overtime. Jack Johnson, who is falling in the Sunflower State? I'm going to go with uh, Kevin McCuller, who we just brought up as well. Um, we knew that he, when he tested the NBA draft waters, one of the things they were going to tell him is, hey, you got to you got to shoot a lot more. you got to be more of an offensive threat. And I think that kind of goes against who Kevin McCuller was when he transferred from Texas Tech. You know, a defensive-minded guy first, uh, more of a slasher than anything. We saw this with Jalen Wilson as well last year. But this is also when the downfall can be because when you have a guy who's not a true scorer and is still trying to be, it can really hurt your offense, and I thought he hurt the offense a lot against Kansas State. I think he was, you know, four or five of 18, something like that, one of six from the free throw line, four turnovers, just a, a really, really ugly performance. And I would probably highlight that in Kansas's struggles on the road this year, it's been because there's been a lot of performances like that from Kevin McCuller, so he's my follower this week. Yeah, Kevin McCuller, 6 of 18 from the field, and I think that's great to bring up. And he's 1 of 5 from the free throw line. You're, you are a super senior, bro. Hit those free throws. Missing the front end in the 1-1 one one was just crucial in, in Kansas's downfall against Kansas State. I'm going to go with just the fact that KU being on the road, man, KU being a road team, it's, it's scary to look at this Kansas team and see how bad they have been on the road. They, they've been terrible. And that is a major red flag. You know what's coming up next? Lubbock. You think it's going to get any easier for KU? The answer is going to be no. And also, too, you still have to go to Baylor, and you still have to go to Houston. That's not great. So KU on the road continues to be a concern, and Kansas as a road team continues to fall in my eyes. Pete Anderson. I'm going I'm to go with El Marco Jackson. Both K-State and KU are similar in that they need someone on their bench to step up and provide some good minutes. I thought that the McDonald's All-American Jackson would turn into that guy for KU, uh, but his five minutes against K-State off the bench were about as quiet of a five minutes as a guy can have. Well, it's Jack and I have seen it all season long. <laughs> We've been complaining about it all season long. Moving on to just college basketball as a whole. Let's start with individuals. Pete Anderson, a college basketball player that's rising. Yeah, a guy that I absolutely love watching, Aiden Mahaney of the St. Mary's Gales. Uh, they're, they're just, in general, one of my favorite teams to watch. Mahaney had 20 points on Saturday night to lead St. Mary's to a road victory at Gonzaga and gave the Gales a two-game lead in the West Coast Conference. Jack Johnson? I'm going to go with Lance Jones of Purdue. Um, you know, Zach Eady's always going to get the, the front and center focus for the Boilermakers, but they got really good backcourt play. And Lance Jones, a big reason of that. They had a massive win in Madison 
against Wisconsin on Sunday. Uh, weird that game was on a Sunday for a number two versus number six matchup, but really fun to watch, and he was phenomenal in that game. 20 points was three of seven from deep, six boards, three assists, and you always want this from your point guard, no turnovers. So he is uh, my college basketball riser of the week. Okay, that's great. Um, man, I'm trying to figure out what I really want to do here because there's <laughs> there's a lot of different angles I can take. I think I'm going to go with – have you ever heard of Robbie Avala? I believe that's his name. He plays and, – and it's amazing. I, Jack, I think he might, be your, he might be your favorite player. He plays for Indiana State. He rocks specs. He has tattoos. And the guy gets buckets for Indiana State. <laughs> the dude, I saw him on TikTok, and I'm like, I don't care how many points he's averaging. I'm going to ride with him. But then I started to look a little bit more. The guy's having a phenomenal year. Guy's averaging 16 points per game. He's averaging eight rebounds a game, four assists. The dude is a bucket. Look him up, America. I'm telling you right now, the dude is incredible. So he is going to be my guy who's on the way up, the sycamore from Indiana State. Jack Johnson, who's following? I'm going to go with Trey Mitchell of Kentucky. Uh, uh, we know that as a whole, Kentucky's defense hasn't been very good, but they got to outscore a lot of teams. They gave up 100-plus points to Tennessee and scored 92. You'd think that 92 would win you a lot of college basketball games. Well, not when you're not getting a lot of production from one of your go-to scores in Trey Mitchell. Last three games for him, only 15 total points, and he is 5 of 23 from the floor, and he is somebody averaging over 12 points a game for Kentucky. If they are to make a deep tournament run, which I'm sure John Calipari has to at this point at his tenure at Kentucky, uh, going to have to get a lot more from Trey Mitchell in big-time games. P. Anderson. I'm going to go with Javion McCollum of Oklahoma. He's the backbone for the Sooners. In his last five games, though, he's failed to score in double figures three times. And all three of those, no coincidence, are losses for OU. Those three games, he's gone 7 of 32 from the field. That was going to be my pick. Good one there, P. Anderson. I certainly agree. Uh, the guy who has a lot of firepower, if he's going to be – if he's not going to provide that firepower for Oklahoma, things get difficult in a hurry. College basketball teams now. College basketball team that is on the rise, P. Anderson. Auburn. The Tigers have a chance to get revenge against one of the hottest teams in college basketball uh, in Alabama this week. This is going to be a must-see game for both teams, and uh, they both play fast and have a ton of athletes. Jack Johnson. I'm going to go in the Big 12 with Cincinnati, who picked up a massive win in Lubbock against Texas Tech. I would say of the new Big 12 teams, they have to be the most impressive. Uh, of course, they're not the highest ranked. They haven't fared the best record-wise. In the Big 12, but, man, uh, what they've been able to do in some really tough games this year. I mean, they've played BYU, Texas, Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Texas Tech. And don't throw out UCF there as well. Now, I know they lost to West Virginia in a weird game in Morgantown, but so did KU this year. Uh, what a way to bounce back. They're just scrappy. Uh, they are so tough to play for anybody in the Big 12, and that win in Lubbock was one of the more impressive ones of any Big 12 team all conference long. Wes Miller, man, guy can coach a little bit in Cincinnati. He's done a good job adjusting the Big 12. I'll go with North Carolina after what the Tar Heels did against your puke Blue Devils. I know they lost to Georgia Tech, but they're still uh, right up there as one of the top teams watching them when they 
took down Duke the way that they did in 93-84, I'm like, all right, they're back on the rise. They're going to be just fine. So give me the Tar Heels as a team that's on the rise. College basketball team, that is falling, Jack Johnson. Yeah, tough for me to really call them falling, uh, but I thought it would have been huge for Iowa State and their chance to grab a Big 12 title, at least put them in the driver's seat to beat Baylor down in Waco. Now, tall task there, of course, knocking off the number 18 team in the nation. But to storm all the way back in the second half and have a lead, and, and maybe not comfortably, but was grabbing control of that game, to lose at the buzzer, shot didn't count at the very end, uh, that's tough for Iowa State because whenever you have a game like that on the road, you've got to lead late in the second half. Got to be able to close it out because if you don't, and we saw last uh, couple nights ago, KU and K-State, you know, you don't close out games on the road and you're a top team, it's going to burn you later on in the schedule. And Iowa State, for me, I thought they let one slip away against Baylor, so they're my faller. That was Jack Johnson's chance to, to, to say Houston, and he decided not to. Impressive. P. Anderson, who's falling? Miami. The 13th-ranked, preseason 13th-ranked Hurricanes are now 6-6 six and six in the ACC. Uh, they've lost six of their last ten. They've been blown out by 20 or more points three times this season and just lost to Virginia by uh, by 22 and managed to only score 38 points. Uh, I think the Hurricanes are a good reminder that it takes more than just NIL to field a great team. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Miami because I was going to say something about the Hurricanes too because, yeah, they were so highly regarded going into the season. And here they are, 500 in the ACC, like – that is a heck of a turnaround for for them, that's for sure. I'll give an honorable mention to Memphis. I don't care if they beat Wichita State. Memphis is just, they are having some major, major issues as of right now. Time for the wild card. You can choose wherever you want, rising, falling, whatever it might be. Pete Anderson, you lead us off. Yeah, I'm going to go rising, and for the second time, I'm going to pick this guy, Andrell Burton, Jr. of campus. I watched him score 45 points on Friday night in a completely dominating performance. He hit threes, mid-range jumpers, finished at the basket, had several highlight dunks. I have no idea how K-State, KU, and Wichita State are letting this guy get out of the state. Uh, He's bound for Drake. He is one heck of a player. Jack Johnson? Going to go with the Missouri Tigers, who are now the only winless team in conference play in the SEC after losing to Vanderbilt on Saturday. Um, Of course, being up here in Kansas City, uh, we get a lot of traction with Missouri, but man, what an awful year, too, for Dennis Gates. And uh, after losing to Vanderbilt, there's no guarantee they win an SEC game the rest of the way. Uh, They're going to get Texas A&M, Mississippi State back-to-back at home, then on the road at Ole Miss, who's been good at home against Tennessee, then have to go to Fayetteville and play Arkansas, who you already lost to in conference play. But to be 0-9, 8-14 overall, uh, this is maybe going down as one of the worst record seasons uh, that we've seen from Missouri in a long, long time. Breaks my heart. <laughs> it breaks my heart. My riser for my wild card, the Kansas City Royals. They are serious about winning when they shelled out Nearly $300 million for Bobby Witt Jr. for their feature for 14 years. I know there's some opt-outs and stuff can happen, but they kept him. He isn't going to be a Yankee, a Red Sox player. He's going to be a Royal. 
for the future. And you hope that it stays that way. You'll have to make some tough decisions along the way. But job well done by the Kansas City Royals ownership group to get the job done. All right, that does it for Rising and Falling. Pete Anderson, if people want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Yeah, Bobby Witt just happens to be listening. You're going to have some estate issues. Go ahead and give me a text, 316-333-7530. Job well done. All right, Pete, thank you so much. Enjoy the, the Super Bowl this weekend, and we'll we'll talk to you again very soon. Sounds good. All right, that's Rising and Falling, brought to you by Adventures Point, Finding at Your Group. All right, when we come back, more of the polls here on ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Osaic Wealth Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Osaic Wealth is separately owned, and other entities in our marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Osaic Wealth. This is The Pulse on Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. Toppers Plus Truck Accessories has moved to a new location at 333 Northwest Street. Whether you're working or playing, Toppers Plus will get your truck ready with Rhino Linings. Nothing beats a Rhino, the leader in sprayed-on truck bed liners that outperforms plastic drop-in rubber mats and paint-like coatings. They won't crack, peel, or warp and include a lifetime warranty. Toppers Plus, your Rhino dealer. Visit our new location at 333 Northwest Street or toppersplusks.com. Make your truck work for you! Are you embarrassed to host a party for the big game on Sunday at your place because your home is outdated? Do you want to remodel your home because you don't know where to start? I'm Christian Robb from Pinnacle Homes. We offer a unique design and home remodeling process that will turn your home into a space you're proud of. Are you ready to get started? Go to our website at remodelerswichita.com and book a consultation today. Be prepared to host the next big game today. It's time that you love your home again. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. Ah, is your check engine light on? The free FixFinder service reads your check engine, ABS, and maintenance lights. It even sends a detailed report directly to your email. When you need to get back on the road, AutoZone's free FixFinder service is here. Get the most complete free warning light report backed by technician-verified fixes. Only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. See details at AutoZone.com. What's up, Wichita? This is Pat Stroppin, and I'm inviting you to join my show, The Pulse, every weekday from 2 to 4 on ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. What you care about is what I care about, and that's what we'll be talking about every single day. Plus, we'll have plenty of interviews and audio from the experts, coaches, and players you want to hear from. Make plans now to join me for The Pulse weekdays from 2 to 4 on Wichita's Sports Leader, ESPN Wichita 92. Point three FM. Broadcasting live from Super Bowl 58 Radio Row in Las Vegas. It is the Chiefs. It is the 49ers. And a guy who knows a thing or two about the Kansas City Chiefs is joining us here from Super Bowl 58 Radio Row. It is ESPN NFL reporter Jeff Darlington. And Jeff, thanks for coming on by. Yeah. What's it, what's it been like in Las Vegas? so far so it's been uh dare i say quiet so far i mean it it does not feel like yet that the super bowl is here which is pretty usual for a super bowl city not until wednesday thursday do people start to kind of arrive for now it feels far more like normal tuesday 
Wednesday in Las Vegas of any other time of year. And the team is 40 minutes away. So you're not seeing, like, you know, Chris Jones rolling down the strip. It's not – if you're picturing that, do not. They're 40 minutes away in Henderson, Nevada. It is not the – it's not, I think, yet what everybody's picturing. Yeah. Well, I mean, landing here, like I said, there's a little bit of a buzz, but we all know that things pick up. Exactly. In any city, in any city, whether it's Miami, Scottsdale, whatever. Yeah, 100%. Well, let's just throw this out here right off the bat. Are you surprised that Kansas City is here playing for a Super Bowl? Yes. I will say yes simply because midway through the season, um, and I consider myself to be very optimistic whenever it comes to Patrick Mahomes. I'm the guy who literally has told Mahomes, like, I will vote for you, and it comes across sounding like an apologist. I believe it's just a realist. I will vote for him as the preseason MVP for the next decade. Anybody who picks otherwise is just being an idiot. (laughs) But midway through the season, when you looked at what was happening with the wide receivers, I could not convince myself that they could get it back on track. Um, And despite Mahomes even saying it, but I thought, you know, we saw the frustration after the Bills game with Patrick when it came to the officiating. I thought that that was projecting on the issues with the offense as well, which he has since said, like, it wasn't just that call. It was that we felt like we were close and nothing was going our way. They hunkered down and they did it. They, he said that it was Christmas day against the Raiders that, uh, he told me that that's when after that game, he realized we have to do something different. We cannot be the same offense. And it became more of a little bit of game management. And that's what got him here. It's very similar to me to the Patriots arc when they became a dynasty. And it's very much the reason why in the future I will not assume that they're ever out of it. I was just going to bring that up about the Patriots because the Chiefs defense is awfully impressive this right. year. And say what you want by New England. Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. Yes, he had Gronk. If you right. look at all the weapons, and he had a really good offensive line, but look at the weapons around him. But New England's defense was was always consistent. For sure, but also, and I've talked to Patrick about this too, it's something that Tom, I, I, I know from Tom, he used to use the regular season to create the identity of the team, and it was always different. And it took time for Tom to realize that that's the way you have to be, and Patrick is learning that same thing, that one year is not the same as, as the next. And uh, Tom learned that it doesn't make you it, Patrick had a good line he said I I need I needed to learn that I had to be the best quarterback for this team which is not necessarily the same as being the best quarterback in the league or the best quarterback for my stats the best quarterback for this specific team and I think Tom Brady went through that same thing and it's what led to their success so if Patrick can do the same use the regular season to create the identity be ready for the postseason that's how you win Super Bowls. Well, you're you're bringing up Patrick Mahomes. I think we all know what he's able to do. Your quote with him being painted as kind of a villain is, is circulating yeah. a little bit. And I think that's the one thing I've noticed, you know, back in Kansas. You look at Baltimore. You look at Buffalo. I mean, Miami, you don't want to put them in that category because Miami this year didn't really beat up on the good teams, right? right. But you look at Buffalo. It was this is this is it. This yep. is our year because Patrick Mahomes. This is the worst team that he's had, right? But Kansas City wins. You have Baltimore, Lamar Jackson. This is it. Like this yep. is it. We're going to get there. This is the Super Bowl. This is what we want. We're going to get to Las Vegas. Kansas City wins. I feel like going into these games, there's no pressure, and Patrick Mahomes yeah. 
adjusts to being a villain, and, and I think that's something that, you know, you've talked to him about, you know, being a villain, and I think Patrick Mahomes always likes to kind of add that fuel to his fire, kind of like does. a Michael Jordan. He, he does, and I think it's taken him time to get used to, though, because as he also said, like, I've never been this in my life, where people, he's always been like the sweetheart that everybody loves to cheer for, which he was for the first few years, and I think there's two different components to this. There is the spoiler going into Buffalo and going into Baltimore and spoiling what felt to them like a great season and there's the villain in the standpoint of like what we've seen from the attention whether it's with taylor swift or just winning too much or things that the, the buffalo game you know people feeling like he was whining he has become just like tom brady did he's winning so people are going to try to knock him off his pedestal no matter what they need to do with it um so there's that kind of role and then there's that sort of spoiler underdog role the underdog factor, the fact that he is willing to embrace that does not surprise me at all. He is, I think, 9-3 and three when he's playing as the underdog in any game. It is the best record of any quarterback in NFL history. So he is very objectively the best underdog in the history of the NFL. The villain role, I think, is more is a little bit more difficult for him to... like wrap his head around. He's yeah. always been well-liked. Well, he, got, he got booed on opening night. Right, exactly. But, of course, San, Fran, San Fran's 49ers, close. 49ers, right. Yeah. So I think you have to you have to temper the expectations there when it comes to that. Right. But, but people maybe, used to love, and I, I think fans still love to watch him, but people, I felt like, could not, like, boo him in the same way because they, they also liked him. For whatever reason, all the things that we kind of mentioned, and I think they're all... Any of these people, if they met Patrick Mahomes, would be like, wait, I was wrong. Any any misperceptions of him, he's an incredible, likable human. And he has done everything with class, in my opinion. Um, but that role, I think, would be difficult to kind of accept. Uh, like, I don't, I think everybody in his situation wants to be liked, you know? And I think he's finally said, and that's what his point was. It's not something I've ever wanted to be, but when you win, this happens. And if if you need me to be that villain, I will be that villain. So, so be it. I mean, I'm looking forward to I killing can, Pat. I, I mean, yeah, I can tell you that in the Kansas City area, in the Midwest, no one minds him being the villain. <laughs> you know, and it worked out great for Tom Brady too because he became the villain. <laughs> yeah. And and by the way, Patrick said that. He said the Patriots also became. Um, disliked because of this and he said but we'd like to do it with a little more fun and a little more charisma which yeah that was a fun little shot at the patriots yeah for sure absolutely flipping over to the defensive side of the ball what steve spagnola has done yeah. this year he's awesome I, I just can't i think we all thought okay you move on for bob sutton is is the defense really going to get better or is it just going to be patrick Mahomes going out there right bailing out for 40 points per game the opposite Completely opposite this year, and he's going into this game without Charles and Menahue, which I think some people are concerned with that. Willie Gay appears right. to be on track, which yeah. is good. Um, you know, LeJerry Sneed, I know it sounds like he's going to be available, but he was away for personal reasons and stuff like that. Right. So I think we're starting to get a little bit more of a clearer picture there. But your thoughts on what Spags has been able to do yeah. in just such a short amount of time to be the reason why – I mean, look, Patrick Mahomes is, is great, but let's be real – when oh, you hold sure. when you hold Baltimore to three points in the second half, when you hold Buffalo to I believe three points or no points in the second half, and didn't score any points, and didn't score any points, right? Correct. So yeah, I mean I think that that's exactly, and that's why Patrick on Christmas Day against the Raiders realized that that they needed to be a different offense because 
they gave up 14 points in turnovers in that game, and they would have won if not for the mistakes that the offense made. And it's basically let the defense do their thing. I don't pretend to understand ever as a reporter like how a defense is so good or what they do that's different, whether it's the blitzing and the whatever. I just know that talking to guys in that locker room, they love Spags so much. I mean, when they're printing up T-shirts and Spags we trust. Um, and the cool thing about Spags to me is that I don't think that he's going to be the type who pursues like a head coaching job, nor do I know that he would even get the opportunity. So the cool thing for Kansas City is they got the guy, and they don't have to worry about every year like losing him to another team. Why would he, why would he want to be anywhere other than Kansas City as long as the Hunt family keeps paying him? Yeah, you know. Yeah, someone asked me that the other day if Spags would be there. Well, how come he doesn't go look for other head coaching jobs? I'm like, I don't know if he really wants to be a if head you, coach. Have you met Spags too? Like, right. I mean, he. I, I'm sure all of them feel that way. But the defensive, like, to me, I think these guys start to accept, like, who am I? I'm a badass defensive coordinator, and uh, and that is him. Yeah, 100%. All right, well, the 49ers. They have Brock Purdy. They have Christian McCaffrey. They have a great offensive line. They yep. they have a good defense. Being in Phoenix last year when it was the Eagles and, and, and the Chiefs, it was always, well, okay, the Eagles have the best players one through right. uh, or two through 52, wherever it might be. You look over right. at the at the Chiefs, oh, they just got Mahomes. That's all they got. This year I don't get the same type of feel, but I do feel like the Niners at the beginning of the year, people were saying that they're going to make it to the Super Bowl. And – here they are. Now they've gotten, you know, tested. They got by the Packers. They, right. they got by the Lions. And we all know that they had to rally in both those games in order to get those that those victories in order to get to this point. When you look at the Niners, what's the biggest challenge for the Chiefs this week? Uh, it's, I mean, the weapons. It's what you just said. Two through 52, or two through 53, I guess, however you want to do the math. Right. Is, they're ridiculous. I mean, they're loaded. And um, – and I think that is what it's all about. Um, do they have the grit in the big moment that the that the Chiefs seem to have developed, the experience? Kyle Shanahan has been there before. We know about his track record and his history. He needs to get over that hump. They don't have as much experience on their team in these moments as the Chiefs do, going back to as recently as last year. So I think experience with the Super Bowl is so critical. I'd say it all the time. If you think that you're ready and you go into this week and you haven't been there and you're like, it's just another game, you will get there and you will immediately have anxiety because when the national anthem hits, it is different and you realize this is not just another game. The Chiefs have been there, and I think that that in this moment against the 49ers team that is loaded will be potentially the difference. Is that worrisome then if you're a Niners fan with Brock Purdy? Be Mr. Irrelevant? He seems to be okay when it comes to collecting himself. Again, it's different. Um, for any quarterback, and it will take time. I think it's going to be important for the Chiefs to do what they've done better than anybody and score early, especially in the postseason. Take advantage of those nerves early on. Um, but he seems pretty collected. Whatever reason, it's pretty incredible. But he seems very collected. Well, you cover the Chiefs. Did you ever realize that Taylor Swift would be a part of the storyline throughout the year? No, but I am not a hater. I love it. I think it's so fun. I don't mind it at all. I don't understand anybody who hates it. I I see nothing wrong with it, and as Travis has pointed out, it hasn't. It's you know he's focuses on football, and the team has embraced it, and I think that that's kind of the coolest part. When you ask any of them, they don't like look at you like you're wrong for asking. They have all embraced it, and I think if you, if they embrace it, 
I have no problem with it at all. All right, my last one. I know it's it's off the wall. You're in draft day. Tell me about Kevin Costner. Oh, I was in draft day. Yes. <laughs> My wife, I like to tell people about draft day. Thank you for asking. I, I only do this because I, I have a, we have a producer, yeah, and we talk about draft day very often. Yeah, I was in it. Yeah. So I uh, mean, my wife always points out. Well, she uh, if I say it around my friends, she's like, "Well, he was an extra." And I was not an extra. I was an invited <laughs> guest, and my name is in the credits, right. lady. Uh, you just have to really. Very quickly, I will say, I was up against the bar with Kevin Costner in the scene. It was like the draft day party, and I'm talking to Costner, and it took like 45 minutes to an hour to to, to do the, the one little tiny thing that I was doing. Yeah. And they kept resetting. So Costner would come over, and we'd get to talk for like five, ten minutes. And at the beginning, I would like talk to him and be like, well, great job, as he walked away. And the director walks by at one point and goes, hey can you just mouth the words instead of actually saying them? And I'm like, okay. I found out later. If I got to say the words, I would have gotten a check every month and like IMDB credit and all this stuff. But because I had to mouth the words, my wife is right. I'm basically just an extra. <laughs> <laughs> That's a neat little tip. Yeah, but I look like close. That. That's I'm great. There. Yeah. Well, no, I, I know I saw it. You do research before you come into the interviews. Yeah. And I, I saw that and I was like, well, you got a chance to well, be around dang. Kevin Costner. That's cool. Thanks That's, for asking. That's, That's a, a cool thing. I asked Kevin Costner at one point, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk was next to me when we were doing this, and he continues to mock me for it. I asked Kevin Costner the suit he had on. I was like, do you bring that from home? Like, is that one of your suits or do they, is that like a costume? And he said, it's a costume. And the direct, one of the directors walked by and said, and it's a very expensive costume. I thought that was a reasonable question. Florio thought I was moron for asking that. <laughs> well, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. Enjoy the rest of the week, all right? Cool. Thanks, man. Jeff Darlington here on The Pulse on ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. Jack, I know you and Shane and Chance, we all talk about draft day. What do you make of, of him being in draft day and the experience here with Kevin Costner? Uh, you know, it, it, good for him, man. Anytime you're an extra, you're still in the movie. <laughs> I just love the fact that his wife was like, "Look, man, like you weren't, you weren't even a star. What are you talking about?" I uh, I do think it's funny though that he brought up, yeah, I would get uh, a boatload of money had I just said, "Good job." Like, really? It's all it takes. If you say "good job," all of a sudden you get a a weekly paycheck. That's a little little different. But Jeff does incredibly well he covers the Chiefs for for ESPN and I got to say this too what he said about Patrick Mahomes and he's been around Mahomes a lot so he really has a true inside edge if you will on Patrick Mahomes and what he said about the Patriots and everything it just just kind of struck a chord in me going like the aha moment of like that is that is very very interesting now that you bring it up now that you talk about the Patriots and talk about Tom Brady and talk about Patrick Mahomes being a being a villain, like Tom Brady realized, I'm the villain, so I need to be the villain. That's what I need to do. And now Patrick Mahomes, hey, I don't want to be the villain, but if you want me to be the villain, I am going to be the villain. And I just thought that was interesting because we talk about Tom Brady being the greatest of all time because of the amount of Super Bowl rings. But I do think when you look at Patrick Mahomes, it's you're in this position. Opening day, I cannot tell you how loud the boos were, were on opening night at Allegiant Stadium. They were incredibly loud. Everyone was going crazy for Brock Purdy. But again, 
you have to understand San Fran not too far away here from here. It's like what, maybe a forty-five minute flight, so it's whatever. Maybe you can't use that as an accurate representation of how people truly feel. But I don't know. Just look at Chance Lebo, for instance. Our very own Chance Lebo. He doesn't like the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, for his reasons, it's a little bit different. But, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, he's starting to get that that hate. And maybe the the shine is wearing off outside of, of Kansas City. Now, for Travis Kelsey, I don't think anyone can really hate him now that Taylor Swift and him are a thing. But for Patrick Mahomes, it's, it is a very interesting point. And I, I love what Jeff said. Um, it was a great conversation earlier today. And looking forward to seeing more and more of his coverage going forward. We are getting closer to Sean Merriman, lights out. He's been a part of the show before. He's here in Vegas we are about five to ten minutes away from him. So let's sneak in a little bit more Chief sound from today. And I was hoping that maybe we could have done Drew Tranquil right, a, right ahead of this, but sometimes things get shuffled in the madness. Doesn't mean we don't have other audio. I had a chance to speak with Justin Reed. First and foremost, Justin Reed was standing pretty much the entire time, and I looked at him and I'm like, why, why are you standing? You're the only one that's standing. And... He's like, you know, I'm just excited to be here, energetic. I can listen to Jesse Reed talk for a long time. I understand why Lebo and them get him a lot because he is a good quote, and he breaks it all down. So let's hear from the starting safety of the Kansas City Chiefs. Here is Justin Reed from earlier today, part of our Super Bowl 58 radio coverage brought to you by Davis Liquor Outlet and Pinnacle Homes. Here is Justin Reed. All right, Justin Reed, here you are playing for another Super Bowl. Last year, first year, probably felt surreal. How's it feel this time in, in this type of environment? You know what? I tell everybody, your second time doing anything is always the most fun. Because the first time, everything's so new, but you're kind of, you know, kind of like a, a lost puppy a little bit. You don't know what's going on. You're kind of being brought along. But the second time, you know what to expect. You can really own the moment and really take everything in and appreciate it for what it is because, uh, you know, throughout my career, I've been on teams that was good and fell short. I've been on bad teams. So I know how much it takes blood, sweat, and tears to get to where we are right now. And that gives me a greater appreciation for the moment. So uh, definitely thankful to be here and enjoying every bit of it. Well, last year, I was talking to Trent McDuffie about this. Last year, the talk of the Super Bowl was, look at all these rookies. Look at all these first-year guys. And they win a Super Bowl. And now here you are this year. Doesn't seem like that's the, the talk anymore. It seems like it's a, nah, this secondary is, is pretty salty, pretty good. What are some of the differences that you've seen this year with the secondary unit compared to last season? Well, we just started out so much hotter. We had so many new faces on the team last year, myself included, that it takes some time to get that experience and that chemistry together. Um, and we were really able to gel together at the end of the year. But this year, we got to come in with that chemistry to are intact. And instead of the conversation being, you know, how well can we hold up, the conversation now is how good can we be? Because we know the sky's the limit. We know that if we can play the way that we know how to play, we can be so dominant on the field and really help us get wins. How many times have you watched LeJarrius Sneed punching out that football near the goal line in the AFC Championship game? How many times have you watched that play after the fact? Uh, probably about the same amount of times I've watched him jam Tyreek at the line, and that is a lot. 
I, you know, every time it comes up on social media, I just watch it again, just because it was such a cool moment. Yeah. What does Legereus do for this for this team? I mean, I know I know it's not just one guy, but it just seems like watching him, there's just an aura about him. He's just so physical. He's so confident. Um, we know he's going to take care of the guy. You know, whoever it is we're facing. I've been on teams, you know, where you're so worried about this one wide receiver on another team, and this season it's just put LJ on him. You know, he'll take care of business. Um, and, and then also on the edge, the other thing is most offices try and get the ball to corners because they don't expect corners to want to tackle. But our corners cut people in half. You know what I mean? So that's some place that offenses don't want any business going near. You know, so it's just such a strength, and it makes it hard for teams to run the ball on us and also throw the ball on us. Something tells me if you have T-shirts made with your face on them, something tells me you're pretty well liked uh, on the team. I'm talking about Spags, of course, and Spags we trust. Those those T-shirts are are very viral. Everyone's wanting them and all that wonderful stuff. What does that say about Spags, though, as as not only a coach, but also as a person? What makes him such a great coach to play for? Yeah, I mean, Co- Coach Spags is so passionate, not only about um, football and the defense, you know, that's evident throughout his whole career, but specifically the players. He has a personal relationship with all of us. He's like a father figure to a lot of guys. He's a mentor. He's a coach. Um, he's a man that you can lean on, that you can share personal stories with, and he'll give you advice. So... When he shows that type of compassion and that type of um, way he's bought into you as a person to, de- to want to help you develop and be successful, um, you, you just can't help but to want to reciprocate that and to want to play as hard as you can for him. Um, so we know that we execute things in his vision. Um, he dials up some pressures that get home all the time. So we love playing for him. We love having him here. Um, deserves to be assistant coach of the year. And just overall, just a great man coach um, overall. What's the, I guess, kind of the general sense of what the 49ers can do? What are some of the things that you're focusing on this week? Yeah, I mean, they're just so dynamic with the ball. Coach Shanahan uh, always creates new plays with those wrinkles, different motions, different ways to get ball the ball into Christian McCaffrey, Debo, his playmaker's hands. Um, and I think that they're really well in space. They have the most physical wide receiver in the NFL in Debo. Uh, that we're going to match our most physical cornerback in in the league on. So that's going to be fun to watch. Um, But also, Brock Purdy does such a good job distributing the ball. And his check down is Christian McCaffrey, who's not, you know, any slouch who has the ball in his hand either. So they do a great job getting the ball around. And then we need to have an emphasis on making sure we tackle well in space and we have good eye discipline in the run game. All right, that's Justin Reed starting safety for the Kansas City Chiefs from earlier today. Instead of taking a break, this guy came over a little early, and any time he shows up, the guy's so intimidating that i got to make sure to get him on because he might put me in a in a, in a headlock or whatever. I don't know. He might suplex me through this table that we have here at Super Bowl 58 Radio Row. It is Sean Merriman. You've listened to him here on the show before, former Charger, NFL linebacker, and here he is being the guy in charge of Lights Out, which is uh, you know one of the coolest things ever, man. Lights Out, extreme fighting. and I, I, It's always a pleasure to have Sean in the program, man. So, Sean, welcome back. How's Vegas treating you? It's good to be back, man. But this is uh, this is chaotic. 
Right? I mean, and you, you know, when I say chaotic, I mean in a good way, right? Because it's not too many times you, you talk to everybody out through the year, yeah. right? You, yeah. And then, you know, obviously, you know, people we, we met and we, we've seen the person before, but you're talking to people through the, throughout the year. You don't know what they look like, who are they, and then so you get a chance to see them in person in, in, on the floor. So it's cool to put a, a voice and a face together. Yeah, 110%. We'll get to the extreme finding aspect. We, we have you on in the regular. I know you got a fight coming up in nine days. Yeah. And here you are rolling around Radio Row, nine days away, and you're putting in this work. Yeah, it, it, it never stops, man. <laughs> it never stops. But I don't want it to stop. I, I do love the you know the, the, the backside of the business yeah. and, and just the having the opportunity. Right? I, I don't look at it as, oh, i got to go work. I'm like, man, I'm talking about something I want to talk about and yeah. something that's important to me and I'm passionate about, which is light side extreme fighting, man. But I think ultimately, too, um, to get different perspectives of like this, the game, Right. And, and so talking about it, and I'm analyzing both of these teams and the players and I'm watching all year long. So it's good to get a, a different perspective when it comes to, to big stuff like that. For sure. All right. The game's coming up on Sunday. The Kansas City Chiefs, the San Francisco 49ers. We've talked to you before. Every Chiefs fan, I shouldn't say every Chiefs fan, because there are some diehards that are going to believe they're going to find a way to do it. There, are, there was a lot of skepticism on whether or not they would get to this stage. But here they are. They make it through Baltimore. They go through Buffalo. They take down Miami. Despite all the troubles in the regular season, they are here playing for their fourth Super Bowl in the last five years. You surprised that Kansas City's here? Yeah. I, you know, technically, they shouldn't be. They shouldn't. I mean, you just talk Buffalo, in my opinion, Buffalo Bills are a better team. Ravens were definitely a better team but they know how to win and and that that's to me it it changes everything because i've been in that situation before i played on 14 and two teams we better better than the the patriots Mm -hmm. booted right out right every penalty every time we made a mistake they capitalized on it and that's what kc is doing now they they've gotten to that point and and i want and i want to say this because You know, the Floyd Mayweather syndrome, the Muhammad Ali syndrome, when somebody's so good, they'll show up to watch you lose. Mm-hmm. Like, Kansas City Chiefs are approaching that level where people are like, man, they're back again? You know, and so they're getting to that level. And if they win this time, I mean, they're definitely going to be in that category. Of like, man, I don't want to see them back here for the next 10 years. They're going to be in that category. But the truth of the matter is that they, they know how to win. They got the greatest quarterback in football. Mm-hmm. They got, you know, the greatest tight end in football. Chris Jones and that defense who are, who's not talked about enough. It, Patrick Holmes is great. Travis Kelsey is great. Andy Reid is great. The reason why they're in the Super Bowl is because of that defense. What specifically about the defense really stands out to you? Because I, I think that is such a – you can go in a thousand different directions. But I think you have to start with Steve Spagnuolo, right? Yep. If you don't start with that, then you can bring up Chris Jones. You can bring up LeJarrius Sneed. You can bring up the linebackers, your boy Drew Tranquil. You, you can bring up all those different things. But if you don't start right there with Steve Spagnuolo, then I feel like you're you're doing the defense just a disservice because of just how remarkable a job he's done so far. Yes, Steve Spagnuolo, his, his biggest uh, quality is making in-game adjustments right there on the spot. Normally when you go into games like this, especially big games, those first 10, 15, 20 plays are pretty much scripted. On what they will run, want to go, the, the momentum of the game, this is what plays we're going to do. One of the smartest things he did, and I don't know why the Ravens didn't do them 
do it in return is start spying Lamar Jackson early on. He said, you know what? We're going to make him throw the ball today. He's not going to hurt us with his, with his legs. And that, in a, in a sense, made Lamar Jackson one-dimensional, which it should have happened reverse because Patrick Mahomes hurt him with his legs more than Lamar Jackson did. And so, you know, if I'm the, the Ravens D coordinator, I'm sitting there thinking, like, I am not letting him break the pocket. I'm not letting him break the pocket because every time Patrick Mahomes extends plays, he hurts you every single time. And, and so I, that's kudos to them. But more importantly, heads up big plays like they made on Flowers going in for the end zone. That is championship football. <laughs> I can't get over that play. It, I, can, I can watch that for the rest of my life and just be happy. If Flowers goes in the score, Ravens are here. Because the momentum of that game would have shifted tremendously. So when you're making championship plays back in the secondary, you got Chris Jones up there, tranquil, man. We just talked about him, you know, leaving the charge and, and him balling out later on during the season, especially, but even more so in the playoffs when it really matters. Dudes all over the place. You got, you know, guys who are who are not even big names who's showing up at big times. Well, one big name is Charles Menu, who won't be a part of this game on Sunday. How's the ACL? Yep, yep. yep. How big of a deal is that? Because when, when he was brought in, and I know talking with him on Monday, the, the dude wanted to show the Niners what they're missing out on. Like, yep. He was like, I want to show them in HD. You should have paid me my money. That's what should have happened. That's what he said to me. I'm like, Ooh, okay, you, you were motivated. Like You wanted to be in this. Obviously, injuries happen and, and all that stuff. But – Charles Emanuel, anyway, he's brought in. I think we we all saw Steve Spagnuolo. He, he comes up with these exotic blitzes, but that versatile piece that uh, felt like that completed everything was Charles Emanuel. Yeah. So not having him there on Sunday, just how big is that going up against San Fran? Even though San Fran, I'm going to talk about Christian McCaffrey running the ball. And look, you got to stop that. But let's be real. you got to get after the quarterback. You can't let Brock Purdy get all comfortable either. The, the big sack that Charles had in that game, it was, it was a game-changing play. And – I played with, with Sean Phillips, who, who's on the opposite side of me. And so when you got somebody so dominant as Chris Jones is, you need that person that can win that one-on-one battle on the other side, or else it doesn't work. Because you know what's going to happen. You go out, and they're going to load up against um, you know, against um, George Kerloptis, Chris Jones. Oh, yeah, Chris Jones. They're going to line up against Chris Jones. They're going to fan protect him. And so let me, let me t- look at the game last year um, in the Super Bowl. Chris Jones ended that game. He ended it. Mm-hmm. So what's going to happen now is if, if you're if – you're which we are – it's a copycat league. We're watching film, and we know the one player that we need to keep off the quarterback, and that's Chris Jones. We don't care how we do it. We're going to make sure he don't get there. So that's – it's wide open for that opposite guy on the other side to go and beat his one-on-one. So if you don't have a one-on-one guy there that can't go out and make something happen, you're just keying on Chris Jones the whole time. So that was a big blow to Charles is down. San Francisco, tied about the run game. Brock Purdy, though, Mr. Irrelevant in this situation. Kyle Shanahan, a couple years ago, lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. That in itself is is an interesting storyline. A lot of those guys, too, uh, that were part of that team are also back for, for San Francisco. But Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant in this type of moment. And what do you think that's like? Is, is Brock Purdy ready for this moment? Patrick Mahomes, we all know Patrick Mahomes right. is. The question is, is Brock Purdy ready for it? You know, it's, it's crazy. Uh we throw so much shade and scrutiny at a guy that's playing on in the in the Super Bowl, <laughs> but like we like we have we haven't seen this before. Anybody think of the we do that to Jalen Hurts last year? That didn't before, did we do it to quarterback? We we've never done it, and so I think that this it's this narrative that every everyone wants to keep following. Hmm. 
that just get repeated and repeated and repeated. For somebody, whether you want to call him elite or not, he can do elite things. And that's all you need him to do. So if you want to point the finger at anybody, point it at John Lynch for putting his team together, for building his roster up. Point it at Kyle Shanahan for getting four or five different guys active on the offense side of the ball. Point it at, you know, the defense, you know, Fred, like point it at the team, right? Because if you're you're the coach for Brock Purdy, if you're Kyle Shanahan, hey, look, just get the ball in Debo Samuel's hands. Christian McCaffrey, Kittle, Let, let's get let's get our guys active, and don't do anything more until you have to. Which he did, standing there taking the big hits, delivering a great ball down the field. You go be special when you have to. Other than that, this is what we need you to do. Nick Bosa, <laughs> when you watch him, you being the elite pass rusher that you were, and heck, you probably still get after some quarterbacks right now. But Nick Bosa, when you watch film on him. One of the best. Where do you rank him in the NFL? I think um, he's a, he's definitely the most, when it comes to strictly pass rushing, mo- the most explosive guy in the NFL. And I'll tell you why, because not only is he explosive, his center of gravity and leverage. Mm. I don't know if it's in damn tree trunk legs he got or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, he can turn, he can bend and turn a corner like a much smaller guy. But he has that leverage to now as an offensive tackle, you punching down on him because he's so low and he come out the block so low. And when somebody can do that, they're hard to deal with because even though you know his capabilities are, you can't stop it. You, you, you literally can't stop it. And then, two, his retrace and how he trails after the ball carry, how he re- relentless he is, even when he's not making a play, look how disruptive Nick Bosa is when he's not making a play. Now, he, yeah, he's going to go to get his sacks and stuff like that. But look at the, the double teams, the slide protection, the chip off of the edge. Look how much command he, he requires. Now, Chase Young got to go out there and just clean up. You just, Like I said, we talk about having the other guy, needing that other guy on the opposite side of the field. Don't but don't be surprised if Nick if uh, if Chase Young have two three sacks this game because they're going to pay attention to Nick Bosa. You brought Fred Warner. <laughs> Same question. <laughs> He's got to be one of the top guys in the NFL. Just by, I, I gravitate when I watch Niners, I gravitate toward him. Yeah, I know how good Bosa is, but I just gravitate toward Fred Warner because what he does is. Just he's a freak of nature. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think that's the best way to describe him. He's just a freak. I, uh, you know, people are going to see this now. Maybe going back watching some film, whatever. But see how often uh, Fred Warner's out the screen when the play happens or tackle happens. I want people to really go and look at that. Watch how much this guy's around the football all the time. You never, you never. If that ball is on the opposite side of the, I'm talking about a fade route, thirty <laughs> yards. Just watch how Fred Warner is always. How many times he's in the screen because he finds his way to be around the football. And when he gets there, he's does. He's doing two things. He's he's not just tackling people. He's he's laying guys out. He's physical as hell. But he also has the awareness to beat screens and come under and just recognize formations and beat everybody to the punch. And so when you've got somebody with those two kind of combinations, right, he's not just a, a, a thumper. He's not just a, a speed guy. He got knowledge of the game. He can do both. It's, it's why he's so dynamic and he can do so many things. He's the backbone of that defense. Nick Bosa, you're right. Love watching Nick Bosa, the pass rusher. But Fred Warner's the guy. He's a dude. He's just a dude. Before I let you get going, do you have a prediction? I asked that not – can you give me a prediction? Because I don't know who it was earlier this week. It's like, what do you think? No, I don't do. I don't do predictions. I, I don't do that. Yeah. Like, okay, that's fair. Nothing wrong with it. But do you have a prediction? I'm going with KC. Um, I, the 49ers are the better team. Obviously, I think they got they're way more talented. 
But when you've been here so many times, and I'm speaking from experience, I'm telling you, know, I've I've been in a situation where we are better than that other team and get kicked out of the playoffs and we lose that game because it's a certain factor of just knowing how to win. And what Casey has done over and over again last year when, when Patrick Mahomes was on, on that bum foot running around with no number one wide receiver, no number one running back, and they won that game, I said, okay, never bet against them again. I don't care who's on the other side of the ball. I'm, I'm just, you just can't. Until somebody go and dethrones them, then I, I'm always going to go with the defending champs. All right, Trem Merriman. Lights out, extreme fighting, 14 Thursday, excuse me, Friday, February 16th. Fubo TV is yep. the, the place to be. Anything else you want to add? Yep, you can uh, get more information at lightsoutaccept.com. You want to watch this one, big explosive car, but we got these new Lights Out Tech gloves that are just giving all kind of data and information. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I was just looking at that. You have punch dynamics, you have spatial analysis, stamina work rate. Man, you're getting all analytical. Yeah, is, that because, is that because of Josh? Yeah, of course. I think of, of course, because yeah. Josh. You know, yeah. we, I, I got to have to step it up one time. <laughs> All right, Sean. It's always a pleasure, my man. Thanks for dropping you by. You got it, man. Thanks for having me. That is Sean Merriman right here on the Pulse on ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. And that does it for our coverage today, day number three in the books from Super Bowl 58 Radio Row. Our coverage made possible by Davis Liquor Outlets, neighborhood locations with superstore prices. Find a location at davisliquoroutlet.com and Pinnacle Homes, building your trust. Visit them at remodelerswichita.com. If you miss any of the show today, always go back and catch it online at espnwichita.com. On behalf of Jack Johnson, I'm Pat Straubman saying so long from Las Vegas. We'll talk to you again tomorrow right here on The Pulse. Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM, KKGQ, Newton.